Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a program in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding liberal arts college. In this sixth edition of the 1853 podcast of the 2020-2021 school year, we'll chat with Monmouth alumnus Brad Narstadt. Brad is a Monmouth trustee, and he also has an impressive collection of buttons from presidential campaigns dating back to 1896. We'll also chat with political science professor Andre Audette. Andre was recently named one of the nation's top advisors to the National Political Science Honor Society for College Students. Before memes, GIFs, and goofy videos dominated part of the political conversation, one of the more simple ways a person could express both their political beliefs and position was by wearing a campaign button. Presidential campaign buttons date back to the end of the 19th century. The buttons are both an expression of a political statement, as well as in many cases a work of art of a few to several inches wide. They also tell a piece of the nation's political history. Few people are better versed in presidential campaign buttons than Monmouth alumnus Brad Narstadt. Brad, who's a Monmouth trustee, is a lawyer by profession, but he's also a political junkie who's amassed an incredible collection of presidential campaign buttons. You can hear more about presidential campaign buttons when Brad talks about them online on October 20. The alumni event, Wearing Politics on Your Sleeve, will be held at 6 p.m. Central Time on October 20 via Zoom. You can read more about it and register for it in the events page of the alumni section on the new and much improved Monmouth College website. Just point your browser to monmouthcollege.edu slash alumni. Dating to the 1896 presidential election between Democrat William Jennings Bryan and Republican William McKinley, who ultimately prevailed, Brad has an 11 by 17 inch shadow box of buttons of every presidential candidate who received at least one electoral vote in that year's general election. His wife, Deb, does not necessarily share his passion for presidential campaign buttons, which number about 1,600 but she certainly supports her husband's avocation. That takes up most of the walls of my basement. And when people see it, they're like, you know, the first thing they say usually is, oh my God. And, and then they say, I never knew that you, that, you know, that you had something like this in your possession. And then they always ask, you know, well, how did you put this together? I mean, it, it, and, and, you know, they'll turn to Deb and they'll be like, wow, you're, you're a saint, you know, for, for letting him do this. And she always tells people, well, you know, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't do drugs, he doesn't gamble. So there's a lot worse things that he could do, uh, you know, and she, she said, you know, this is harmless, harmless, uh, you know, and, and it's something that he likes to do. So she said, you know, I'm willing to support that, his habit. Uh, you know, she, she does, she had for a long time, she had me on a button budget because, you know, you can, you can easily, I mean, you could easily spend tens of thousands of dollars a year you know, trying to amass, you know, trying to get your hands on the, the elusive buttons that everybody wants. 
Brad became interested in collecting presidential campaign buttons not too long after he graduated from Monmouth in 1989. In fact, thanks to a class he took from the late Ira Somlinsky, Brad wound up volunteering for Michael Dukakis' bid for the presidency in 1988. He even got a chance to meet the Democratic nominee following a rally that was held there on election eve. He says that changes in technology made presidential campaign buttons possible in 1896. Buttons slowly began to replace other kinds of wearable political expression. So before 1896, posters, uh, broadsides, uh, sashes, they had, they had some type of wearable items. So uh, cloth buttons, uh, clothing buttons that would have the candidates initials on them, sulfide badges, which, you know, were, were early precursors of photographs. Uh, they would trap the sulfide under glass and, and turn it into an image. Uh, they, they had daguerreotypes, uh, you know, once, uh, photography or early photography became a thing, they would, you know, take little daguerreotypes and they put them on brass, badges but the button as we know it so a either and there's two different kinds there's celluloid buttons which are in the in the hobby called cellos or lithographed buttons which are called lithos some of the early presidential campaign buttons were as large as a dinner plate which brad says made them a bit of a challenge to wear but those buttons also served other important purposes of political expression especially during what's known as the golden age of presidential campaign buttons. So all of those huge buttons have an easel on the back. And they were designed for you to pop the easel out and prop that on top of your radio or put it in your front window so that people could see this, this is who I support. It's, you know, buttons for Franklin Roosevelt, um, Wendell Wilkie, William Howard Taft, uh, Woodrow Wilson, you know, in that area era where obviously there were there it, radio was the primary medium and, and 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 newspapers, there was a lot of money spent on designing buttons. In fact, that what they call the golden age of buttons is basically from you know 1900 to 1932, because there was and when you look at some of the designs, some of them are breathtaking. I mean, they are just gorgeous designs and they were designed not only to be something fashionable for people to wear but to let so people could say this is who i support this is this is my this is my candidate you're listening to the 1853 podcast of monmouth college i'm Dwayne bonifer in the monmouth college office of communications and marketing we're chatting about presidential campaign buttons with 1989 monmouth alumnus brad narstadt brad will speak about them on october 20 at an alumni Zoom event. Brad says that choosing a favorite presidential campaign button is not unlike asking a parent to choose a favorite child, but several stand out to him and for various reasons, such as one from 1964's race between Lyndon Johnson and Barry Goldwater. The 1964 campaign between Lyndon Johnson and Barry Goldwater was exceptionally nasty by today's standards not nasty at all but but for the times for 1960 it was it was very nasty and the 
Goldwater campaign, as you, you probably know, Dwayne, they, they had most of their stuff, you know, somehow used the chemical symbols for Goldwater, A-U-H-2-O, which is gold water in chemical symbols. And, and it was on everything. They, you know, they, they gave out little, there's actually little buttons that have little vials of water that have gold flakes in them. And it says A-U-H-2-O on it. Um, you know, there were rebus pins. So there's a strawberry, a blue drop of water, uh, and, and then a gold nugget, or I guess strawberry gold nugget and a blue drop of water, berry gold water. So that they, they used AUH2O for, for all, you know, a lot of what they published or put out for him. So the Johnson campaign decided, all right, he's going to put out all this AUH2O stuff. We'll put out our own button. They, they put out a button that says C5H4N4O3 on AUH2O. And when I first saw that, I was trying to figure out what in the world does that mean? What does that say? Well, the first thing is actually the chemical symbol for urine. So this, the button says piss on gold water in chemical symbols. To me, someone had an awful lot of creativity to come up with something like that. Th that's one of my favorites. A button promoting Ohio Republican Governor William McKinley is noteworthy for its rather glaring mistake. It's a McKinley button, again, three and a half inches, which for that time was big. His name is spelled wrong. They issued all of these buttons for him and they spelled his name McKinley, M-A-C-K-I-N-L-E-Y. For the 1900 election, the identical button was reissued with his name spelled correctly. I have both. I have the misspelled one and the spelled one. Those two are, are my favorite. Just like all collectibles, presidential campaign buttons have their most coveted items. For collectors, it's the one from the 1920 presidential race. And as Brad explains, it's not because who was at the top of the Democratic ticket. Rather, it's who ran as vice president. His running mate most people don't know this, was a young man by the name of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. The most scarce buttons in the hobby are a series of buttons that depict both, both Cox and Roosevelt, their picture. And when both candidates' pictures are pictured on a single button, it's called a jugit. So uh, the Cox-Roosevelt Jugits, if you can find them, will routinely go for no less than $30,000 each. Although presidential campaign buttons don't enjoy the popularity they did during their golden age, Brad says they continue to play a part in presidential campaigns, and he's among the thousands of collectors who's glad they do. People still will still wear them today, not as often. It's actually tough to find buttons today, uh, especially from the campaign themselves, because they're spending money where they know their advertising dollars are going to pay big dividends, which is in, is in advertising. It's becoming harder and harder to find them. But I think when you can find them, I think people still wear them uh, to tell folks, this is who I support. That's Mammoth alumnus Brad Narstadt talking about presidential campaign buttons. You can learn a lot more about them and maybe see some of Brad's collection when he talks about them online on October 20. The alumni-sponsored event, Wearing Politics on Your Sleeve, will be held at 6 p.m. Central Time on October 20 via Zoom.
To learn more about it, point your internet browser to the alumni section of the new and much improved Monmouth College website, monmouthcollege.edu slash alumni. This is the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. As an undergraduate student, Monmouth College political science professor Andre Audet was inducted into Pi Sigma Alpha, the National Political Science Honor Society. A decade later, Andre was one of four individuals recently from around the country selected by Pi Sigma Alpha for its National Chapter Advisor Award. And Andre says that Pi Sigma Alpha offers students many benefits. So I was a political science major as an undergraduate, and in 2010, I was inducted into the chapter at the University of St. Thomas, where I did my undergraduate work. Um, And it did benefit me uh, going on to graduate school. I had some new connections that I didn't have before. It was a good thing to put on a resume and something that I've been connected to since then. And so when I came to Monmouth, I was excited to be asked to be the chapter advisor here and to help continue growing the program that was established here in 2002. Andre says that Mama's chapter of Pi Sigma Alpha is a very active one. Great. Well, the first uh, most important thing that we do is just recognize our students. And so every Scholars Day, our Pi Sigma Alpha students are inducted into the chapter and we celebrate their achievements. And that's something that is always exciting for everyone in the political science department to recognize the good work that our students do. On top of that, for the past couple years, we've been trying to get more involved as a chapter, particularly in promoting political science research. So we've had a couple different events where members of the political science faculty have presented on our research and with a focus on trying to get students involved in that research and thinking about what types of research projects they'd like to do for their senior research, whether that's in political science or in another field. And that's been very successful. It's kind of grown from there. And I think a lot of students appreciated having the opportunity to see what we were doing in our non-teaching time, but also to start thinking about what interested them and how they can connect their learning to different research fields. Andre says that one of the strengths of Mama's excellent political science program is the diverse offerings that students can choose from. A very diverse department. We have a lot of different uh, interests among the faculty and among the students, whether that's American politics or international politics, political theory. We cover all of those different areas and we expect that students will grow in all of those different areas too, that they'll take classes and that they'll be able to connect what they learn in political theory to their comparative politics class, for example. Uh, We really focus on issues of power and that's kind of what government is based on in many different ways. So who has power, who wants power, how do we use that power to create a better world for everyone? And so we have students that take that and they want to go into government, they want to run campaigns, maybe they want to work for an international organization. Our students have been very successful in finding those types of careers after leaving here based on the types of experiences that they have in the classroom. And Andre says that's great preparation for a diverse number of career paths. We send a lot of our students to either graduate school or law school. That's a pretty common career track for our students. A number of students do go on to work on political campaigns. 
with the election this year, we did have a number of our students from who graduated in the spring who went on to work on some political campaigns at either the local level or at the state level. Um, and so that's a very common track for our students. We do also have a lot of students that do go into sort of international politics and might work for different organizations related to international politics and policy. And then we have some students that go into other careers like business and political science is actually a great degree for that too because you're learning some very critical skills like critical thinking and communication skills and writing skills that are very um, important for lots of different careers. That's political science professor Andre Audette. He was one of four individuals from around the country selected by Pi Sigma Alpha, the National Political Honor Society, for its National Chapter Advisor Award. You can read more about Andre and his award in the news section of the new and much improved Monmouth College website, monmouthcollege.edu. going to be a 30 for this sixth edition of Monmouth College's 1853 podcast of the 2020-2021 school year. I hope you've enjoyed this program. Tell us what you think by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody. Have a nice day and stay healthy.